This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Hey everybody, on today's episode of Under the Canopy, we have an awesome interview with the one and only Luke Summerfield from HubSpot talking about why SaaS marketers should treat and optimize their website like it's a product. Also, more about leveraging your website to help other departments meet their goals and ideas for optimizing your site's capabilities. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, and welcome everybody to another amazing episode of Under the Canopy. I am John Aiken, the CEO of Web Canopy Studio. Uh, with me, uh, as always, no, actually, this is his <laughs> first time coming on ever, is Mr. Brennan Seek. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, hello. So, what's really funny is that we just did this entire thing, literally just did it, and uh, it didn't record. So, here we are again, back for round two. Here we are. Brennan said some amazing things. <laughs> What are we going to do, Brennan? I don't know. Should we just... It'd be tough to have the exact same conversation again. I know. Could we make the same jokes? We could try. (sighs) So truth be told, I... uh, It's Friday afternoon. I've been super busy. I was wrapping up a bunch of stuff in my office and I was like, you know what? Podcast. Let's go. So I walked in the podcast room. Brennan was sitting here minding his own business, doing his work. And I said, you know what, Brennan? It's time to do a podcast, bro. And so I sat down and I turned the podcast on and Brennan and I are chatting. Yes, we are. What do you have to say, Brennan? Uh, Well, what do you want to talk about? Well, we talked about disco for a little bit. We did close off on disco. Who's your go-to disco artist? That's an incredibly difficult question. Top 40. Top 40 40 disco. Going Uh, backward. 40 to 1. Go. Okay. (laughs) And in no particular (laughs) order, I'll start with... (laughs) Why do you like disco so much again? Walk me through that. I forget. So... pretty basic i i grew up as a baby listening to disco you grew up as a baby i grew up starting as a baby and here i am now but the whole time i've been listening to disco my family loves disco especially my dad and so when we were growing up there was always disco playing in our house and so it just became part of who i am now and i yeah i think i now know more than my dad about disco so i've no surpassed him in that realm is your dad all knowledgeable on all things disco I wouldn't say he's all knowledgeable, but you know, he, he knows his stuff and, and he can certainly get down to some disco. Okay. Now if you had to pick a a group or like a go-to. Chic. What? Yeah. You wouldn't pick Earth, Wind and Fire. Good times. Chic. Good times. (laughs) Come on. That's, that's like iconic (laughs) disco. I don't think I know what you're talking about. He's got Nile Rodgers. On guitar, he's, I believe he's you. funky as ever on that song, on that whole album. But yeah, Chic is excellent. I, I'll just take a quick peek at my Spotify disco playlist. Okay, uh, there, it's it's all over the place. <laughs> T Connection, <laughs> The Gap Band, Greg Henderson, Hot and that, Dog, and you, Hot Dog, Hot Dog oh is a gosh. is a Indonesian or Malaysian disco what? group. <laughs> yeah. Now really crossing boundaries here. That's right. I'm all over the place. You are very worldly, Brennan. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, so Brennan is an account manager at Web Canopy Studio. Brennan, tell them about account management. Account management is... What do you do? Is a, is a very fluid role. I guess you just have to make sure, and I'm still learning this, you have to m- make sure you know everything that's going on with whichever account with you're involved everything. with. With everything. Every, you have to know everything. everything. 
You are the single source of truth, or you should be, (laughs) if anybody has any questions about what's going on. And uh, that is not as easy as it sounds. You have to be involved in just about everything and get all of the information and always know it. Well, I love that. Excellent job, Brennan. Excellent job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Brennan has a background in user experience. That's a really important thing that we talk about at the office all the time. I think it brings a really cool flair, flavor, flair. One of those. <laughs> One of those. Perhaps both to account management. Perhaps. So yeah. super pumped with that. And user experience is kind of one of the topics for today. So I have um, my good buddy, Luke Summerfield, who does about a million different things with the CMS over at HubSpot. Um, Luke was one of the, uh, or the pioneer of growth-driven design, um, which is a, an agile website development process. And um, Luke and I go way back to, to those early days of GDD, which sounds like a long time ago. It was only like four years ago. <laughs> uh, um, and and we, we've adopted this process 100%, and it goes so much into user experience and and understanding why SaaS marketers need to treat their website um, like it's a SaaS product. And so that's kind of the topic for, t- for today. Luke, uh, we have him as a special guest on uh, in just a moment. But I want to um, give a shout out to some of our clients. We have been extremely blessed lately with just, we've had so many new projects starting. Um, it's, it's really been, um, something special. We've really, uh, had a great start to the year and, um, just a testament to the team. I think the team is doing phenomenal managing all this work. Um, we have some great reviews coming, coming through from different clients. So I want to share those with, uh, with everybody, Laura from innovative medical systems, which is a really cool, uh, software company. They're in downstate Michigan. Um, they do some great, great product work with um, with the medical healthcare industry. She said, we are a small company that took on a couple new lines of business and we really wanted to highlight these new lines on our website. So what began by only updating a few pages turned into updating several more. Web Canopy took the time to push us out of our comfort zone, telling us what we need to do differently with our messaging. Sometimes that was difficult to hear. And she gives a shout out to Tim from our team, uh, Tim is our director of inbound, who's been a great communicator. Uh, he kept the project moving, and she said, "Great job, team." So, so shout out to Tim. Good job, Web Canopy team. Good job, um, Brennan. Do you have anything else to say, share today, or should we just kick it off to our interview with Luke? What do you think? I don't, I don't know. I uh, this is my first time here. I, I'm oh so, yeah, first time podcast. Yeah, I don't have anything else what immediately is to add, but I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad you uh, chose to ask me a few questions. So show yeah. who. Who is the coolest bass player of all disco? That is another very hard question to answer. If you don't say the guy from Earth, Wind & Fire, I'm going to be so upset. The guy from Earth, Wind & Fire is the coolest. He's got that straight hair, you know, and he like bobs back and forth. They all bob back and forth. That's that's one of the things they do best. And uh, I don't know, bass players are... They're always in my ear, but they're never on my radar. Ooh, I'm, uh, man, what a quote. <laughs> I listen to them, and the, <laughs> the work they do is what gets me moving, but uh, I yeah. don't know their names. All right. So, well, yeah. it's about time. That's your next mission. <laughs> it's on my list. All right, so let's kick it off. We're going to send it over to me and Mr. Luke Summerfield. Deuces.
Um, well, hey, I got my good buddy Luke Summerfield on the call today. Everybody say hi to Luke. Say hi, Luke. Hello. Welcome, <laughs> internet friends. Hey, welcome, internet friends. Um, yeah, Luke and I, we've been buddies for, for a while now. Um, yeah. Back when GDD got introduced uh, to HubSpot, I was like all in. Um, and I think that concept has been just like critical, the idea of agile website development. And I think it's been critical to the success of our agency. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's cool to have Luke on the show and to talk through a couple different things. Um, Luke, how are things going with you? What's uh, new in your are, world? <laughs> things are in full on swing for our big partner day event we do every year. And uh, mm -hmm. this year it's going to be in March. And we invite, uh, we have like three or 4,000 agencies that sell our software um, and use them uh, with their clients. And we invite our top partners, folks like Web Canopy, to our uh, headquarters to do a yeah. two-day event. So, um, yeah, it's just full-on getting ready for that now. Yeah, that's awesome. When is it for the dates? It is. I probably so this, know, but I, sh I this, should know. <laughs> this year is interesting. So we have our, our service partners, which are all our agencies, and then we have our app partners. These are all the software that, that our partners with um, integrating their software. We've always done separate events. Uh, this year we're doing a joint event, which will be really cool. So the first two days, uh, March 10th and 11th is the app partner. Mm -hmm. Then the 11th and 12th is the uh, solutions partner. And we got that one day of overlap where we're getting everyone all together um, for a good old oh, time. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. I had a great time um, the last couple of years. I think it's really cool to introduce the app partners. One of the things that I think is interesting in the partner world was like, um, it's been so focused on agency life, but now with the new switch of just providing HubSpot as like a, the partner community as the solution partners, um, mm -hmm. it's really cool because there's a million things that I, and I feel like I'm in it every day, but there's a million yeah. things that I don't even know. And we learn every time we talk to new people. So um I think it's a good move on HubSpot's part. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's chat through a couple things, Luke. So you and I had some correspondence before on like, what the heck are we going to talk about on a podcast interview? There's right? always so much to stop, it's stuff to talk about. <laughs> and I told John, I, I always have a hard time. I don't know when to shut up. So hopefully I can keep my rambling to a, to a, yeah. Nice thing. So this isn't a three hour long talk. Oh no, it's a quick <laughs> one. We'll be quick unless we just ramble on. Um, Anyway, so like we, um, I, I follow um, a lot of the stuff that Luke posts on Facebook and he shares a ton of stuff on like story and, and all these different things. And, and he's, you're an avid reader, right? Like you read all the time. <laughs> you can see part of, part of our collection here. We got, we got plenty more, but. That and Disney memorabilia. Yeah. Um, we should actually introduce you because you had, we haven't even talked about your title, Luke. What's your title at HubSpot? Yeah, my, my current title is um, Go-To-Market Manager for uh, all things web and CMS. So that is a really, really fuzzy role at HubSpot. It's fuzzy intentionally. Um, the way we think of the Go-To-Market Manager or the Go-To-Market Leads uh, role is, you know, we talk about the flywheel at HubSpot. Uh, the flywheel is the thing that powers your business. Basically anything in that entire flywheel that has to do with the, the CMS or web design, like, falls into my bucket. So... Mm -hmm. Um, there'll be, usually I'm working on, um, high friction areas in there and working with almost always multiple teams to figure yeah. out like how the heck we're going to, um, reduce that friction or, um, move into another opportunity. So it's all across the board. Um, and I think it's really exciting. 
it, there's so much that HubSpot does. And every time I get an update from HubSpot, it makes me anxious because I'm like, gosh, there's like this whole nother thing that we now have to learn and be experts at, which is great. I mean, you always got to keep Ooh, Just but. wait a couple more months, buddy. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, n- nervously excited. <laughs> um, but that's great. I think that's awesome. And you work remote. You're not in the Boston office, right? Fully remote now from sunny San Diego. Um, which is um, wonderful. I'm very fortunate that HubSpot allows um, employees to do more and more remote uh, these days. I've been at HubSpot five years and uh, when I first started, it was very, very rare. And over the last year and a half, they've really embraced it. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there's, I think that without getting into total tangent, this could be a whole other episode where we talk about remote work. I mean, there's pros and cons. People think it's all rosy, yeah. uh, rosy uh, mm-hmm. uh, situations. It's definitely... Um, especially with time zones, we have a Dublin office. So I pretty much am up at uh, 6 a.m. on meetings, 6 or 7 a.m. meetings every day. So yeah. uh, that obviously throws uh, throws your schedule into a little bit of a craziness. <laughs> we just had a client in Tokyo, Japan, and oh, that yeah. was a nightmare. I mean, great client, but like nightmare for sleep schedules because it's like... Oh, yeah. It's like 12 hours or something, or it's like complete opposite. Yeah, 14 hour difference from Eastern time zone. And so, yeah, we'd meet at like nine o'clock at night my time just so that yeah. they could have it during their business day. And then, um, but what was cool with time zones is just like, we work on stuff during the day, they work on stuff during the night and then, then yes. we come back to work and like, there's a whole new thing there. So that's kind of- Yeah, cool. yeah, I've, I have noticed that I've had to adjust uh, when and how I prioritize what work I'm doing, knowing that if I don't get it done now, it's gonna actually, like it's basically the, per- the other team members uh, <laughs> basically are stuck for the next, like their working day. Yeah. So, uh, it's been, it's been good. It's been a good learning lesson in just how to, how to manage and prioritize things a little bit differently based off of time zones. And then also, um, just work like with tons of cross-functional teams yeah. fully through zoom and Slack. Cool. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, we do a lot of work with SaaS marketing people. We work most of the, you know, the, the, the listeners of this podcast, most of the people that we talk with day in and day out are um, VPs of marketing, marketing directors, or, or just startup CEOs for SaaS companies. And so I want to just kind of pick your brain a little bit on, you know, why SaaS marketers should treat their website a specific way or treat it like it's the product and, and how they should build that out and so on. So I'll kind of just toss it back to you. Do you want to touch base on that a little bit? Yeah, well, y'all are my folks, folks that are listening to this. I mean, I live, I live in the SaaS world. I love, uh, I got a little side startup. I love startup stuff too. So um, I, I find this world really, really fascinating. And one of the things that, um, you know, we've come to the realization, we talked a little bit about growth driven design. For those of you not familiar, growth driven design is a, is a modern playbook for building a peak performing website. And that all came about before I worked at HubSpot, we were, I worked at a marketing agency also working with SaaS clients. And every single time we were just running into problems with the website, uh, getting delivered late, taking forever, um, going over budget. And so when we had the opportunity at HubSpot to, to work on some projects, I thought about, man, like, why is, why is it just an industry standard to have all these problems with websites? And what's the root cause of some of those things and what other industries have just figured this, those, those things out already. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the, the interesting things you mentioned. I read a lot. I try to do quite frequently where if, you know, of course I'll, I'll study, if I want to learn something about SAS, I'll study SAS. But the, the reality is that the answer you're looking for has been already probably answered somewhere else in some other industry. You just have mm-hmm. to go find it. 
Yeah. And so in this case, the answer was actually quite easy to find. Um, I started thinking about the world of software and the world of the 1990s software where you're, you're basically building CDs, right? So you would have yeah. uh, a, big, a big team working their butts off for a year to two years to release Microsoft 95. <laughs> and then you'd shoot the thing out the door and you'd go back into your little uh, backroom bubble and start chugging away on Microsoft 98. And like, that was how software was made. And uh, for those of you on the phone who are, who are in, living in the SaaS world today, we, we understand like that is the worst way to build software these days. You know, we are much better off um, building something, hosting it online, continuously improving it, you know, getting a minimum viable product out there and then adding to it over time. And so in the software world, in the uh, late, 90s, early 2000s, of course, we made this shift, or 2000s, we made this shift to a SaaS-based model, um, and we, that also sparked a lot of changes in how teams were structured, how we thought about collecting data, what data could we collect, how do we like use that to inform what we build from a product standpoint. And so there are a lot of parallels with how websites were treated and thought about in the process we used um, to the world of building CDs in the software world. So a lot of what Growth Driven Design is, is just simply inspired by the things that we've learned in the software world. So we talk about treating your website just like a software product. So very much like for those of you who are listening, who have a product manager, you have a tech lead, you have a lead designer, you do UX research, they're continuously iterating on it. You know, they, they have betas, all of these things that we've learned from how to structure the teams, how to, how to treat products, how to uh, use a backlog and your product manager owning that backlog, we can apply to a website and thinking about your website like a, uh, a product itself. And so that's what you see with a lot of the high performing software companies these days. This is how HubSpot treats our uh, website. This is how, you know, obviously Google and Twitter, like that. this is an interesting thing is like the, the lines between what a website is and what software is, is blurred. It's, it's mm -hmm. they're blurring. Like, I think there's like a weird argument now of like, there's a pretty good case on whether certain websites are our websites. So they're actually like full on blown pieces of software. Yeah. Um, even down to the languages that the coders are using. Everyone's moving to JavaScript now where you have, you know, the front ends all built out in Node.js, whether it's a website or whether it's a, uh, yeah. whether it's a um, software. So yeah, anyway, we always that's, it, we, we talk to people all the time about that, like the experience, that user experience of the, the way people perceive your brand and experience your brand prior to becoming a customer. It should be a seamless process once they start using your product. And so I think companies like Spotify and HubSpot and some of these like bigger companies, they do a great job of that. You can, you can explore their website, but you feel like you're on the app itself. You feel like you're using their product. And it's, oh, it's yeah. like, it's no different. You enter the product and you just feel like you've been a part of that same experience and how critical that is just for um, customers to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that we did on that topic specifically that really turned the corner in terms of that experience, um, about three years ago, we invested in really heavily invested in aligning all of our design teams. That's the marketing design team. That's the software design team. Um, you know, everyone across the board uh, to rally around building a design system. We call ours Canvas. And so the idea of a design system is that you, you have a unified set of elements that roll up to, you know, 
content blocks that roll up into pages that roll up into websites. Yeah. Uh, but those same elements roll up into um, areas within the product, within the tool itself. And so we're, we're using one standard set of um, uh, elements between the two teams. And we just have this standard uh, canvas system. And so, you know, for those who are, I know uh, Envision, uh, Envision app, they do a ton of really good stuff around design system. I think I just saw on their website, they're now positioning their, their actual app as a design system management app. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Which is really interesting, but uh, they have a ton of good stuff on it. So if that's like, if, if you don't take anything away from this podcast, um, take away that, that it's worth <laughs> three years later to see the impact that building this design system has had in terms of the consistencies between teams and then extending that through to, uh, we extend that, that, uh, through to our brand team who takes that design system and turns it into PowerPoint slides and into, um, CTAs and into campaigns and just keeps everything super consistent. Yeah. I, I, I will touch base on that too. Cause that's a really important thing to know. Um, I love, actually I love Envision. I think they're just a brilliant company and yeah. one of the best examples of companies, um, using nurturing, I think like I love their emails. I think they are so clever and they're filled with great information. Like talk about yeah. understanding your buyer persona. They put yeah. out just amazing content and I want to read every email that comes through. <laughs> my buddy, I'll, I'll give the kudos to the guy who designs them. My buddy, John, uh, John in the UK is <laughs> awesome. Uh, and he sends them all out through HubSpot. So yeah, that's great. Kudos on it. That's awesome. I would love to meet him. Maybe I should get him on to talk about it because that would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll, I'll ask we'll you that happen. one. We'll yeah. make it happen. Um, talk about, um, the importance of launching early and failing fast. That's another kind of mantra we say in our studio. Um, it's really important for us to not get caught up in perfection. And mm -hmm. so many of our clients just, they, it's hard for them because it's like their, their website is their brand and they're doing a brand new one and it's like their baby. Um, but we have to always remind them like, you want to know if what you're doing is going to work or not. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, again, like I think I think the takeaway that everyone should it, it, like the concept you should walk away with. Uh, we just gave you a tactic kind of on the uh, or a play on the design systems things. Here's the actual concept. If you if you don't take anything from this start, I, I would implore everyone to shift the way they think about their website again and go sit with your product teams and learn how they build this peak performing product within your company and apply those principles to your website. And so when you talk to your product team, uh, they probably don't wait until the thing is absolutely perfect before they get it out into the mm -hmm. user's hands. Um, and the reality is, is like, you're never going to get to perfect. The only way to get even close to perfect or even like make progress towards perfect is to get it out there and then iterate off of it afterwards. And mm -hmm. so very much like your product team who's building the software product, getting it out into the, the hands of users and has a continuous roadmap over time on, on, uh, uh, that's prioritized the, as they work on the software. That's how you have to think about your website. And the cool thing about that is if you approach it with that mentality that, Hey, this is a, we're going to, we're going to get this first version out and then we know it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. We know we don't have to get everything in there, but we're, we're working and operating in a system that allows us to continually improve it over the next three, six, 12 in indefinite mm -hmm. amount of time, it relieves some of the anxiety and pressure for the need for it to be perfect out the door. 
Yeah. Um, we see that with traditional design, you know, traditionally when you, when you build a website, it's this huge six month, eight month long project that goes over budget. You launch the thing and then you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm like moving on to all this other stuff. And so we've kind of trained ourselves to have that level of anxiety that it needs to be absolutely perfect. And all the features need to be built right out of the gate. Otherwise we're never going to get to them or we're going to have to like, you know, wait until our next redesign. So yeah. Again, shift the, shift the mindset on how you think about the website, and hopefully that will alleviate some of the anxiety of it needing to be perfect out of the gate. And then secondly, it really comes down to having a really stellar strategist um, or product manager. You know, you can use those terms interchangeably when it comes to websites. Yeah. Uh, have a really stellar strategist or product manager who can advise on what that right mix is to start with and why you're consciously deciding to wait until the first month or the second month to tackle the next thing on the wish list. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it takes a good product manager to understand that or a strategist to understand that based off of on one side, you got the business objectives on one side, you got the user, uh, user pain and what the user's trying to do. They got to balance both. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of um, having a strategist do something like that. I think it's important to, when we launch like a homepage, let's say, cause it's usually the first thing that can get launched. And I don't know, we do, we do a lot of um, migrations to HubSpot and the migration might be a part of a bigger website project, but phase one might be a brand new user experience on the homepage and maybe like your get a demo page, but then the migrated content is now branded with the new header footer. And maybe we just stylize like the fonts and stuff. Yeah. Um, but understanding what it is that we're trying to track, like what metric is the most specific thing that we're looking for. And so, cause it always dials down to metrics. Um, and so it's always cool to think through when you're doing stuff like that. Like, if I was a product developer or a product manager, what are the things that are sticking out in my mind? You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I think that, I think that kind of goes hand in hand. Like when we launch a homepage, I'm always thinking, okay, I'm most concerned about are people actually going to take that step that I think they're supposed to take, which is maybe mm -hmm. download the 10 step checklist for something or get a demo here or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And those could be, and there could be like, if you see that they're not, taking that action, there's two reasons for it. One, you know, the, the, there's like a design element of it. Like, was it properly designed in a way that's intuitive and easy to use so that it surfaces the right, you know, they see the offer, or they have the right path to get there. Mm -hmm. The second path is, is that the right offer in the first place? Like, does the user even give a shit in the first place? Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can optimize as much as you want. You can do usability, you can do all that. But if they're missing that core element of value in the first place, and it's yeah. just like something I don't care about, um, then you're going to just be spinning your wheels at the optimization part. So that's why it's like equally important to, as you talked about, validate some of these things in advance. So going back to why is it important to get something out in the user's hands, any of the offers, any of the stuff that you wanna, you want to offer on your site, whether it's a webinar, whether it's whatever the conversion is, mm -hmm. conversion point is, I almost guarantee, just like a startup can boil down some way to test the core value prop, the core pain point, um, and kind of validate some of the assumption around that this is actually a valuable thing. You could probably do that with those core conversion point. Um, assets before you actually even build the website. Like there's probably a way you could just call up 
50 customers yeah. and ask them about what they're experiencing and then say, hey, we have this thing that we're working on. It'll be available in June. Put your email here and we'll let you know and see what the conversion rate is of those 50 <laughs> customers. If no one converts on it, like, yeah, you probably, when you spend the time to build out the landing page and build out the flow and all that, like it mm-hmm. might not see what the results you're trying to get. So yeah. it just goes back to, again, like the, the sooner you can boil some of these core things down um, and get them in the hands of a user, whether that's before the website even launches or as a part of the first phase of the site, the yeah. better. Yeah. So we had some email correspondence before um, we got online today and you talked about the importance of leveraging your website um, for other parts of the user journey. Um, mm-hmm. And that was an interesting concept to me. So could you elaborate on that a little bit and, and share what that, yeah. what that means? I, exactly? <laughs> I'm t- I, I, this, this will be interesting. Um, for the folks that are listening in the room, I know a lot of the folks will be in the marketing department. Yeah. Um, and I think that the website traditionally is owned by the marketing department usually. Uh, and it's typically a tool that's leveraged to help the, uh, the marketing department hit their goals. Mm-hmm. What I'm hoping to do with this point is to help expand the mindset on how you can think about leveraging the website as a tool. Um, when we talk about it in the context of a journey that a user goes on, traditionally, typically the website is thought of very much as a very, like a a specific point on that journey. We want to pull people onto our site and we want to convert them into leads. And like, so it's basically like part awareness, if if it's like an SEO play, uh, and then a convert like, um, uh, an interest part of that journey. Yeah. But we have to recognize that that's just one very small piece of the journey that a, um, a customer goes through. And so as a marketer, um, of course, visitors, leads are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also leverage the website as a tool in areas like um, new customer onboarding or new user experience. We call it NUX. In new user experience, the goal there is to try to get them to activate onto the product so that they start seeing the value in it and retain, right? So you keep those, once you go through the whole sales process, yeah. they pay you some money, you want to keep them around. Exactly. And so the website can be a, a phenomenal job, a phenomenal tool to leverage in that first three, five, 10, 14 days as a part of the new user experience, um, especially if your product team has not invested the time to do in-app onboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of tools that we, we even have at HubSpot that when you sign up for them, we just, and, and I, the perfect example is our, our web developer stuff. Our web developer, when a web developer signs up at HubSpot in the current state, uh, we, we really didn't have an in-app onboarding experience because a lot of them are using their local tools. They're not yeah. necessarily even going into the app. They're just kind of plugging in through the APIs. Yep. And so for us, we built out the entire web developer onboarding experience on a, on our website. And basically after they signed up for an account, we made sure that that was like the first place they went to yeah. um, so that they had the documentation and access to the Slack. And then on the other hand, they had the, the sandbox portal. So long story short, uh, news user experience is like another part of the journey that you could consider. Um, again, depending on what your marketing department's goals are, um, you know, that, that could be helpful. It could be uh, impacting retention. So your customer marketers in the room, that's uh, an interesting point for you. Then you have like existing customers, folks that are done onboarding, they're successfully using the product. Like how might we leverage the website as a tool to help people at that part of their journey? Um, 
making them um, more successful, better engagement, better retention, and then cross-sell and upsell, right? So for our customer marketing team, they're judged, one of the things they're judged on very much is like, how do we get existing customers to see more value by using all these other tools? Yep. And so building something onto the site that's a customer-focused area is a great way to not only provide additional value, but also like find those, like it's a, it's a good lever for enacting those qualified leads for cross sells and upsells. Yeah. I'll, and, I'll add to that because I think um, especially, so this is more of like a service-based approach to that. If we can yeah. think of, of having um, like, we're toying with the idea now of all the documents that we put together. Like we just have a slew of Google docs that we share with clients. And of course it's organized in a right way, but like imagine if we could have a customer portal that houses all of that information, but guess what? We can also present additional things. We have a new webinar coming out about XYZ topic. We've got all these new downloadable features, which can open the door to someone who's on a, let's say they're doing a website with us and they're not 100% aware of what sales enablement will do for them. And yeah. so we can start to introduce an upsell idea to that scenario. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah. My brain's No, good. no. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. There's so much you could do there. I mean, you could have... When, when you have a, a CSM or a customer service manager who's working with one of your customers, like you could have a centralized place where that CSM can add things, put things in there, you know, if it's not, if it happens to not be able to be added in, in app. And so mm -hmm. there's just so much you could have a chat, like a direct, like on screen live chat that connects to their, their, uh, you know, their sales rep or their, their CSM. There's just so many possibilities. Support and again, team. that's just yeah. support team, right? Um, and then you have like the whole advocacy thing. So if you're looking for, even if your goal is acquisition, um, we know that this day and age, word of mouth is just so critical for the buying decisions of folks yeah. and, and they buy at such a higher rate. It's yeah. so like, how could you leverage your website to build out a advocacy program? Like use it as a platform to build out your advocacy program. Um, and there's, there's more than that, but I think hopefully it illustrates the point that Traditionally, when we think of the website, we, we, and especially the marketing department, we very much, and I come from marketing background, is very much have a, a blinders uh, uh -huh. on ourselves on where the website fits. And I hope that that is interesting to think about other places you can leverage the website as a tool. Well, it comes back to the flywheel, in my opinion, because it's, I, even me, I'm very guilty of thinking of the website as a catalyst for lead acquisition. And, yeah. you know, it's a deliverable for your marketing content. It's where your marketing content can live. You send emails that serve up your blog posts. Um, but when you think about it from, it's so much more than that prospect stage and it can be used in the sales cycle. It can be used inside the delight stage and the experience that people have of using your, your product or your service. Like what, what other ways can you think of how your website can be just as important aside from just marketing and sales. So very good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. You can almost think of it as like the, you have your, your software product. That's the actual like in-app experience. And mm -hmm. then you have your out of app experience and you have another product, which is your website and they complement each other and they can work well together. And mm -hmm. the beauty of it is as a marketer, uh, you're, you're not having if I ever want to make any in-app changes, so I'm on the product team. If I want to even myself on the product team, I have to go through a tech lead. They have to prioritize it. Yeah. And eventually we'll get some level of onboarding maybe on a particular part of the, a part yeah. of the app. Or tomorrow I could call up John at Web Canopy and have them build out like this page on our website and we can have it in the next three to five days. And so yeah. um, it's again, it's shifting the mentality that this is a product that the marketing team owns that complements the software product and treating it like that and then expanding 
where this complementary product that the marketing team owns can make an impact um, yeah. outside of leads. Leads are important. Don't get me wrong. Leads are awesome. <laughs> but like there's, that's not a peak. That's not the, the website's peak uh, potential. It, it right. can help in all different ways. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's how we think about it in the journey, in the journey side of it. Um, there's another, another conversation we could have on how you can leverage the website for other departments, um, which I think is interesting. We've done a lot of that at HubSpot. Let's go down that path because that was going to be my next question. Like walk me through, I guess, either some examples or what you, what you mean by that. Yeah. Again, this is like all the, the hope of this conversation, hopefully, is just to break those blinders off and, yeah. and realize the power that the marketing team has to help all the, not only the customer throughout the entire journey, but also the, all the departments. So the thought yeah. here, again, is that the marketing team almost inevitably owns the website. Um, that's, that's pretty standard. But just because the marketing team owns the website doesn't mean that the website is a tool for only the marketing team to hit the marketing team's goals, right? (laughs) So if you're listening to this, you're probably like, well, we got to hit our goals. So yes, start there, like start there for sure. Yeah. Um, But as the website matures, as you kind of got the the engine running on that, start to expand how you think the website could play. So the example of that is at HubSpot, one of the number one things for us to grow as a company, like hands down above sales, above leads, like the number one thing right now is hiring good people mm-hmm. because we just can't, we, we're growing so quickly. We need really good people in all parts of the world to help, help fuel that. Yeah. And so the challenge we were running into was that we really didn't have a centralized place that was really well put together for people interested for recruiting for the HR team. Um, And so there was a really big effort by our marketing web team to build out a kick ass like careers uh, section that can be leveraged not only to build an inbound funnel of Mm -hmm. interested candidates, but also by our recruiting team to have very specific assets and things that they could send as they're looking for talent. Yeah. And so that has been wildly successful, not only doing the web, experience itself, but pairing it with, you know, inbound recruiting slash inbound marketing campaigns uh, around that. Uh, Hannah at our company is kind of leading the charge there. She's been doing a phenomenal job and um, it's been really, really impactful. Yeah. So HR is using the website probably just as much as some of the marketing team. Yeah. Like that's their baby. It's like their yeah. software product. Basically it's the HR software product. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Right. And then we, we integrate it with like, I think we use greenhouse or something like that for the actual like yeah. application process and all that. So it's all integrated in there as well. Yeah. Um, so that's like one example, another example that I'll mention. Um, and I think this example works really well too, with uh, all the stuff that we're doing with our service hub um, line of business. A while back we would, we would, someone would be using the software and they'd be running into a problem. And so they kind of couldn't find what they wanted online. So they picked up the phone and had to call support. And yep. um, we have amazing support folks. They, they get really high ratings. They do really well. And, and, you know, they work really hard, but at the same time, it's still kind of a pain in the butt to have to like, no one uses phones these days. It's like, they got to pick up the phone, they got to wait, you know, then they get, yeah. maybe they have to wait three minutes before they get to a rep. It's just kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. So we, we were joking the other day. We had our, our phone rang in the office for like the first time in a week. And we we're like, <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> don't even know these days. No. Like, it's funny. Cause I'll be like, Oh, I'll call you. But it's almost, I mean, like zoom, yeah. like I'm going to zoom you. Yeah. I'm on the phone. I'm, I feel like I'm on the phone all day long, but it's yeah. this it's zoom. And so it's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, one, no one uses phones anymore. So yeah. we were like, well, how can we, how could we solve, how might we solve the question that the, the, 
the customer is running into without them even needing to pick up the phone. And so there's a really big effort. This is a number of years ago, but there's a really big effort to level up our um, the, the, using the website as a tool to answer those questions through our knowledge base, through our online chat, through, um, you know, specific suggestive searches yeah. based off of what they're trying to like run into, uh, even in app, a lot of the in app stuff, if we see someone struggling, we actually just point to this section of the website because it doesn't make sense for us to house all this stuff in the app. So that's like, again, from a business perspective, it, it created a better user experience. We saw a much higher MPS for folks that, um, were basically getting their problems solved before they had to pick up the phone. But at the same time, from a business side, again, strategists and product managers, they got away. There's like the customer side and the business side. And the, the goal is to like have both of those um, uh, solution that solves both of those. It, it drastically decreased the number of support calls that were coming yeah. in. So every single support call calls, costs us money. And yeah. as much as we love talking to customers, like if we can solve it in a better way at a lower cost, like that's a win for everyone. Yeah, I love the idea of incorporating like the chat experience and the chatbot experience, um, especially when it's collecting information and solving problems at the same time. A really, really cool way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So those are like two examples. Um, I mean, there's some other interesting examples I won't go in depth on and how you can leverage it with the sales team as sales enablement resources with the even the product team. So mm-hmm. I would... Uh, Again, I think the takeaway, hopefully for the listeners, is just to step back and, and, you know, of course, you have goals, you have places to leverage the website to hit your goals, but think more broadly about how to leverage the website across the business to help all the departments mm-hmm. and the business grow better. Yeah. Well, hey, man, those are, those are some really, really awesome truth bombs that you dropped. Um, I, think, I think that was a pretty awesome conversation. I, I, uh, I took some notes down of things to make sure that I talked to my team about because <laughs> like what you were just saying just now, I'm actually curious now because I want to go uh, and do like a workshop with my, my team and be like, all right, account managers, we're going to workshop and figure out how you can use our own company's website as a way to help our clients experience us better or us experience our clients better. Um, yeah. And then the same way with like the dev team and the support people and so on. So um, yeah, very cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's a common question um, like that came up after we launched growth driven design, which again, growth driven design essentially is just the process that you can use, you can teach your marketing team to, to have them think about the website like a product and how to treat it like that. Mm-hmm. The question came up a lot is like, well, what happens like a year after you've launched the site? Like, don't you just kind of run out of things to optimize and do like, what do I do? <laughs> and, uh, and it's true. It, it really is. And so one of the things that, that is baked into growth stream design to help provide focus and direction for those strategists or product managers as they're thinking about the website is um, we created a website performance roadmap. It's a framework. Um, I'm a marketer, so I come up with stupid names for stuff. We call it the website performance roadmap. And it really goes through the life cycle of a site. So you have three themes. The first theme is um, establish, which is really just like low hanging fruit, getting all the stuff built that didn't get there right out of the gate, the stuff that we were talking about. You have optimize where you're doing usability and conversion rate optimization and personalization and all that fun stuff. And at a certain point, you kind of hit diminishing returns there and you can move on to the last one, which is called expand. And that's exactly what we're talking about. How do you expand the influence of the website? Mm -hmm. And um, so again, it's like we incorporated that in intentionally so that when you get into these scenarios where you've had a site for a year, two years, and you're like, we've been optimizing it, it's running on full cylinders, we need to like, see how we can do even more. How do we deliver more value? Um, You know, these are the types of things you can think about. 
Yeah. Awesome. Awesome stuff, Luke. I really appreciate you coming on today. This has been super helpful, super cool stuff, buddy. Um, Do you have anything to plug? Do you have anything to share? Uh, I mean, I, I obviously I've mentioned growth gym design a lot. We do have a sort of a free certification in the HubSpot yeah. Academy. Um, you can just get it by going to growthdrivendesign.com or just search growth driven design. It'll come up. Um, and there's a link to this, the free certification there. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Just awesome. Yeah. That's great. You know, name. <laughs> I'm trying to think of things. We have so much going on, but I can't talk about it for another month or two. I so know. Maybe. Maybe in our next one, I'll have more plugs. We'll do it again and you'll have more plugs. I always, I also get, um, we were joking in the office today because there's the start of the year is always busy for an agency. Everyone starts to have marketing budget. And so a lot of projects start picking up mm. and we, <laughs> we're always like, I am so, I have so much to do right now that I don't know what I, what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, what fire do I go to first? So, um, it's like, it's there. like overload. You gotta, you gotta prioritize <laughs> it just like your website and the yeah. things you build on it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. Hi, brother. Well, we'll, hey, thanks we'll, so much. we'll have some beers in a couple of weeks at, uh, at partner Let's down. Do Let's do it. All right. All right, man. We'll see you later. Thanks guys. Thanks,